Hello, 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 and hello. Welcome to another episode of Shape All Before Use, a show that is geared towards providing simplified medication information as well as talk about the disease conditions that these medicines are prescribed for from a pharmacist perspective. My name is Osus. I'm a friendly pharmacist. This show does not intend to replace your medical provider, advisor. It is only meant to provide more medication and disease awareness for you, the consumer, for you, the patient. As a disclaimer, I currently do not work for any big pharma or have any vested stake or stock in any of the medications out there. Today's episode is on hypercholesteremia, which is just a fancy name for higher than normal amounts of cholesterol in your body. For starters, whenever you see or hear or read the phrase hyper within a medical diagnosis, it means higher than normal levels. So hypertension, hyperglycemia, hyperlipidemia, hypercholesteremia, it all means higher than normal blood pressure, blood sugar, blood lipids, and blood cholesterol respectively. When we discuss hypercholesteremia, it's good to differentiate it from hyperlipidemia and then look at it from uh, a dyslipidemia differential because cholesterol, triglycerides, and phospholipids make up the body of lipids. Cholesterol is synthesized from the liver and small intestine. Triglyceride is found in plasma lipids and phospholipids is found in all cellular membranes. Cholesterol triglycerides are transported in the body by proteins called lipoproteins. Now, this is very important because you are going to hear down the road me talk about two main groups of lipoproteins, HDL, which stands for high-density lipoprotein, or good cholesterol, and LDL, which stands for low-density lipoprotein, or bad cholesterol. You're also going to hear me talk about intermediate-density lipoprotein, IDL, and very low-density lipoproteins, BLDL. So, in a nutshell, the main differential between hypercholesteremia and hyperlipidemia is this. Hypercholesteremia is just high total cholesterol in the body. Why hyperlipidemia is high cholesterol plus high triglycerides in the body. Dyslipidemia, on the other hand, refers to an abnormal balance between good and bad cholesterol levels without each um, entity being out of range. So typically, when you go to your doctor and you do um, uh, your, your, your test and check for your cholesterol, you get a value called total cholesterol, which consists of your LDL, your HDL, and your VLDL. Now, VLDL, the very low-density uh, lipoprotein, is calculated from triglycerides. VLDL is triglycerides divided by 5. So, in a nutshell, total cholesterol is LDL plus HDL plus triglycerides divided by 5. Why do we have good and bad cholesterol? HDL is good, LDL is bad. Now, in our prior podcast, we had talked about the synonym ASCVD, which stands for atherosclerotic cardiovascular disease. This disease involves plaque buildup in your blood vessels. This plaque buildup can lead to 
uh, either a narrowing or blockade of blood vessels in the brain or in the heart, which can lead to a stroke or heart attack, respectively. Now, atherosclerosis is the process which leads to the narrowing of the inner lining of your blood vessels. One of the biggest risk factors for atherosclerosis is high cholesterol. Amongst the types of cholesterol, low density LDL has been identified as the major cause. Now, other risk factors, though, I might say for atherosclerotic cardiovascular disease includes high triglycerides, smoking, diabetes, obesity, and physical inactivity. When you look at the lipid transport system in the body, it consists of two pathways. There is the endogenous pathway, there is the exogenous pathway. Now, in the endogenous pathway, we have 50% of intermediate density lipoproteins, IDL. 50% gets metabolized into our LDL, which, as we have said, is the main cause of atherogenic disease in the body. 50% of that LDL gets metabolized back into the liver, and the other 50% goes into the peripheral cells where they are used for setting functions. Now, the excess accumulates, the excess amount from the 50% that goes into the peripheral cells are those that are responsible for uh, causing atherosclerotic plague. Now, also, there is a reverse cholesterol transport system, which consists of HDL proteins, which their goal primarily is to remove excess LDL from the periphery and take it back to the liver. So on one end, on one side, we have LDL, which, um, you know, part of it gets removed into the liver, part goes into the peripheral cells, and the excess amounts of those that are sent to the peripheral cells tend to accumulate in the arteries, in your, in your blood vessels causing uh, a narrowing, and you have your HDL, which goes in and mops up those excess LDL and sends them back to the liver, hence the good and bad connotation for HDL and LDL. Now, one of the most popular um, factors or risk scores is what we call the ASCVD risk scores, which calculates a 10-year risk of having a heart attack or stroke. So individuals with a 10-year ASCVD risk, ASCVD risk of less than 5% are classified as low risk. Those with uh, an ASCVD risk of 5 to 7.5% are classified as borderline risk. And those with uh, ASCVD risk of 7.5 to 20% are classified as intermediate risk. And those above 20% are classified as high risk. So... Once you are able to quantify what your risk category is, you are able to determine what your LDL goal should be. So those with low ASCVD risk, their LDL goal is less than 130. Those with moderate risk, LDL goal is less than 100. Those with high risk, LDL goal less than 100. Those with very high risk, LDL goal is less than 70. And we also have... Uh, those with extreme risk, which are those that have progressive ASCVD, uh, including unstable angina, um, those have um, an LDL goal of less than 55. So once you know what your risk is and you know what your LDL goal is, the next thing is to find appropriate medication to get your LDL to go. There are many medications that are out there to treat high cholesterol, to treat high triglycerides, 
and to boost your HDL. The first of these medications is the HMG-CoA reductase inhibitor, popularly called statins. Statins are primarily the drug of choice for treating cholesterol. Their potency is based on dose. They tend to decrease LDL by as much as 25 to 60% based on dose. They tend to decrease triglycerides by 10 to 45%. They also increase HDL, good cholesterol, by 5 to 15%. Atorvastatin and rosuvastatin have the highest reduction in LDL as well as they have the longest half-life amongst the statins. Propostatin has less interaction with other medications that induce or inhibit cytochrome P450 enzyme. Now, cytochrome P450 enzyme is the enzyme that primarily is responsible for metabolizing um, statins in the body. And one of the things you will notice about statins is they have a lot of drug-drug interactions. Now, pravastatin amongst the statins has the least of those drug-drug interactions. Like I rightly said, the degree of LDL decrease or lowering is all based on statin dosing. So for high-intensity dosing, those that, you know, for high-intensity dosing, which primarily would decrease LDL by 50%, you will need atorvastatin 40 to 80 milligram dose and rosuvastatin 20 to 40 milligram dose. For moderate intensity, which would decrease LDL by anywhere from 30 to 49 percent, atorvastatin 10 to 20 milligrams, rosuvastatin 5 to 10 milligrams, simvastatin 20 to 40 milligrams, pravastatin 40 to 80 milligrams, lovastatin 40 milligrams, fluvastatin 40 milligrams twice a day, and pitafin pitavastatin 2 to 4 milligrams fall in this category. And finally, for low intensity lowering, um, those that can decrease LDL by less than 30%, you have your simvastatin 10 milligrams, pravastatin 10 to 20 milligrams, lovastatin 20 milligrams, fluvastatin 20 to 40 milligrams, and pitavastatin 1 milligram. There is a thing called the law of 60s with statins. Statin doses of statins produce a substantial LDL lowering with, and with each doubling of the daily dose, LDL is lowered an additional 6 to 7% on the average. Statins do carry adverse drug effects, though, of myopathy, which is muscle weakness, cramps, spasms, rhabdomyolysis, which is a breakdown of muscle tissue, which can cause kidney, disease, uh, kidney failure, increase in your liver function test, and myalgias, which is muscle pain. Statins are absolutely contraindicated in patients who have liver disease, patients who are pregnant, and patients who are breastfeeding. There is a contraindication uh, of giving statins concurrently with fabric acid derivatives due to an increased risk um, of myopathy and rhabdomyolysis. And we'll discuss fabric acid derivatives um, down the road. The next class of medications are the fish oil, popularly called omega-3 fatty acids. Fish oil tends to decrease triglycerides by as much as 30 to 60%. They carry an anti-inflammatory as well as an anti-hypertensive risk. Although doses up to 4 grams are needed uh, to lower triglycerides. Fish oil doesn't affect LDL. Fish oil doesn't affect uh, HDL. It only decreases uh, triglycerides and you need up to 4 gram dosing. And one of the things... And one of the issues that we have seen with fish oil, that even though it is effective, a lot of people rely on fish oil uh, 
in the supplement section in uh, grocery stores and pharmacies. Now, I have no beef with supplements. My thing is supplements do not give you all the information that you need. And one of those information is actually the amount of drug that is contained in a supplement. So now that we're finding out that fish oil needs up to four grams, are you getting four grams from the supplement? I'll leave you at that. Next class of drug, drug um, for treating high cholesterol is the bile acid sequesterants, which here you have cholecivalam, uh, cholesteramine, cholestid, questran, and prevalite. Uh, this class of drugs tend to decrease LDL by 50 to 30%. They tend to increase HDL by 3 to 5%, although there's a catch because they may increase triglycerides by 3 to 10% in the presence of high triglycerides. So if you want to consider bioacid sequesterants, if you have high triglycerides, this is not the drug for you. Adverse drug effect includes GI distress uh, and a decreased absorption of other medications, especially our fat-soluble vitamins such as vitamins A, vitamins D, vitamins E, and vitamin K. The next class of drug are the nicotinic acid, also called the vitamin B3. They tend to decrease LDL by 15 to 30%, decrease triglycerides by 30 to 60%, and increase HDL by 20 to 35%. One of the most common drug effects of nicotinic acid is flushing, which is better when you use sustained release or extended release formulations of this medication. Next in class is the fibric acid derivatives. And here we have drugs like phenofibrate and gemfibrozil. These tend to decrease LDL by 10 to 25%, but may increase LDL in the presence of high triglycerides. So if you're trying to decrease your LDL, but your triglycerides is elevated, you might want to think twice about using fibric acid derivatives. They also decrease triglycerides by 30 to 60%, increase HDL by 10 to 30%. Adverse drug effect of this class of medications includes dyspepsia, which is abdominal discomfort, myopathy, as well as an increase in your serum creatinine, which is a measure of your kidney function. Like I rightly said previously, avoid taking concurrently fibric acid derivatives and your statins. Next class of drugs is the cholesterol absorption inhibitor. And last I checked, there is one medication in this class and it's called ezetimib. They tend to decrease LDL by 18 to 22% with a further 10 to 20% reduction when administered with a statin. They also tend to minimally decrease uh, triglycerides by 0 to 5% and minimally increase AD HDL by 0 to 2%. Adverse drug effect includes diarrhea and myopathy. And finally, there is a novel class of drugs called the PCSK9 inhibitor. In this class, you have monoclonal antibodies such as the alirocumab sold as proluent as well as ibolocumab sold as repathor. Now, the PCSK9, now PCSK9 means proprotein converters subtilisin kexin type 9. It is a protein that regulates the removal of LDL from the body. Now, what um, PCSK9 protein does is that it pretty much stimulates the liver, the liver's uptake and destruction of LDL receptors on its surface. Now, a decrease in LDL receptors means a decrease 
in liver clearance of LDL from circulation. So in order um, to prevent this, you have the PCSK9, uh, which prevents uh, PCSK9 from binding to and subsequently degrading these LDL receptors and enhancing clearance of LDL from circulation. Hope that makes sense. This medication though, despite all of I just said, all of that, you know, uh, information provided, it does provide a significant decrease in LDL by as much as 40 to 70%. Now, with statins, we know with the high dose or high potency, high intensity um, statin dosing, we got up to 50%. Now, with PCSK9, we're seeing 40 to 70% LDL reduction. It is a subcutaneous injection given every two to four weeks. Adverse drug effect includes nasopharyngitis, injection site reactions, as well as respiratory infections. Now, there's a caveat to the PCSK9, and I'll be very upfront with you. It is very, very, very expensive. And it appears that you're more likely to have it covered if it's prescribed by a cardiologist, not your PCP, and it is filled at a specialty pharmacy. But it does work to great effect. Now, per the American Heart Association guidelines, they have put out a treatment treatment based guideline based on the benefit group and the statin intensity that is needed. So for patients that have clinical ASCVD, um, which includes a history of heart attack, angina, peripheral arterial disease, stroke, acute coronary syndrome, as well as a coronary slash arterial revascular, uh, revascularization, they do recommend high-intensity statin. Now, for patients that fall in this category and they're over 75 years of age, they do recommend moderate uh, statin intensity. And non-statin add-ons to this class of this to this class or this benefit group includes your ezetimib as well as your PCSK9 inhibitor. For patients who have a baseline LDL greater than 190, they do recommend a high-intensity statin therapy, and you can add on ezetimib or PCSK9 inhibitor. For patients with diabetes uh, that fall within the age group of 40 to 75, they do recommend moderate um, statin intensity, and you can add ezetimib or bioassay sequesterants. In conclusion, regardless of your ASCVD risk factors, it is very, very important to maintain a healthy lifestyle. You have to, you have to eat healthy and exercise at least three to four times a week. Smoking cessation is very paramount and note your cholesterol panel so that you can appropriately manage your cholesterol with the most um, readily available or the most effective medications. Statins have the highest reduction in LDL. Plus, you get additional reduction when ezetimib is added. Nicotinic acid, fibrates, and fish oil have the highest reduction in triglycerides, and nicotinic acid produces the highest um, increase in HDL. Now, once you are able to understand your cholesterol panel, you better know what you're attacking. Is the LDL, is the triglyceride, do you need to bump your HDL? All these medications can help you in one way, shape, or form. This has been another episode of Share Call Before Use. Share Call Before Use podcast is available for download on Spotify, Amazon, Apple, Podbean, RSS, Amazon, YouTube stations, Pandora, etc., etc. Thank you for your time. I appreciate your um, uh, support in this running the show. 
uh, and looking forward to our next episode on Shape Up Before You. God bless. Good